Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast, where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is how to combat loneliness. Let's find out. Hello, hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel, and you're listening to Kinda Dating. Aisha is unavailable today, but um, you have moi. Um, If you like today's episode, please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it and leave us a five star rating or review. Um, We're also on social media. We're at Kinda Dating across the board, and I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram. Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha Chandel official on Facebook. Our lovely Aisha is at Aisha says dance across the board. I am so excited to introduce our guest. She is calling all the way from Germany, friends. Um, but she is a psychotherapist and founder director of Sidewalk Talk, a global street listening nonprofit. I'd love to welcome Tracy Rubel. <sighs> Yay! How Thanks, Natasha. You? I'm so ex- I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my and- god! I'm so excited to have you. How's life in Germany right now? So this is, you know, I think when this episode comes out, it's probably two weeks into COVID. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that our conversation connection will be okay because I think everybody and their brother is now using the internet to communicate So and work. Oh my God, <laughs> so. yes. I thought that yesterday. I was like, what if we're all in social isolation and Wi-Fi goes down? That would be interesting. <laughs> like we're all. I know for me and read. a lot of my psychotherapy clients, they might not have therapy with me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll all be yeah. talking to the walls. I don't know. Um, Tracy, we ask every single guest before we start: um, single or in a relationship? In a relationship. Woohoo! Um, I don't know why. Woohoo! <laughs> single people. Woohoo! To us too. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, this episode, we're talking about loneliness. I'd love for you to first just quickly explain what Sidewalk Talk is, because I think it's a great um, nonprofit uh, for people to be a part of if they're interested. Yeah. So by trade, I'm a psychotherapist, but I volunteer my time to lead this street listening project. And it all started in 2015 because of the uptick in gun violence in our society and the uptick in mental illness. I actually wanted to sit out on a sidewalk kind of because I was curious, what the heck is going on that's causing all this stuff? Yeah, so in 2015, I was really heartbroken by the uptick in gun violence and the increase in mental illness, and then all the stigma going around that somehow there was something wrong with you if you were, I call it, if you caught a mental flu. And I put my chair on the sidewalk with 28 colleagues as a one-time thing. I I really, it was an experiment for me and a way for me to kind of say, hey, what is going on here? And then the press got hold of it and we had a bunch of cities contact us and say, hey, we want to do this here. And I started doing it more regularly because it felt like a way to learn and connect and understand why are we having these problems in our society? Um, and now there are 7,500 listeners across 92 locations and 15 countries that sit out at regular intervals, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly, to listen to people in their community. Wow, that's really beautiful. I love that. Um, is it being affected at all with corona? <laughs> <laughs> So we are not listening on the sidewalk right now. Right. What we are doing is we're moving our events to online. That's great. Just like a lot of other people are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this episode we're speaking about loneliness. And uh, again, I think just worked out time-wise. This was not planned because, you know, a week ago, I think, even when you and I talked, uh, Corona was, or COVID-19 was just a, I mean, we were hearing some rumblings about it. And of course, we were worried. But I think within the span of a week, sort of the whole world changed. Um, yeah. And I think there is a lot of fear about the social isolation aspect of it. Um 
So before we start, I'd love to just sort of get an understanding of what is loneliness and is it different from being alone? Yeah. Yeah. Loneliness is different than being alone. So what researchers define loneliness as is a sense of perceived isolation. So you could have a lot of friends, but if you perceive yourself as somehow socially isolated or not having the kinds of connection in your life that you'd like to be having, right, then you'll feel lonely. Now, obviously, people that are more isolated, meaning they have less contact with people, um, are objectively alone more often than the time, meaning they don't have people in their physical vicinity. So that's what alone means, means there's nobody around me, um, tend to feel more lonely, but not always, right? Healthy solitude is great. Yeah, I'm probably that person now. Um, I think I've gone through definitely bouts of both because one, you know, you live in New York City and people always think, well, you have millions of people around you all the time. And I say New York is one of the loneliest places, especially when I was a kid and I, I came out there on my own. It was like I was surrounded by people, but there's nobody you trust. And, and so you do, you know, there's a sense of loneliness. And now I think having worked through all of those things, I'm alone and like my family currently during COVID, of course, is all together in Canada. And they're just like, are you OK? Are you OK? Are you OK? And I've been like, guys, I'm actually really good. I have so much stuff to keep me busy. I'm kind of excited to be chilling by myself and not having to take meetings and like talk to yeah. people unnecessarily. So, yeah, yeah I, I definitely I'm glad you explained that difference. Immunity boosting is on everyone's mind nowadays, especially during COVID-19. So try Nuvo Olive Oil, a natural immune booster when taken as a tablespoon shot every morning on an empty stomach. It's loaded with cancer-fighting nutrients and combats unhealthy bacteria. It's rich in vitamin E, chlorophyll, and antioxidants. Nuvo Olive Oil is a family business that started in 2013 as a response to all the adulterated and fake olive of oil flooding the U.S. market. The family-owned and operated farm is 135 years old, and their mission is to bring you the most authentic, best quality, and tasting extra virgin olive oil and raise consumer awareness to help you make healthier choices for your life through delicious cooking and well-being. Made from Mission Olive Trees, Nuvo has won two gold medals for their olive oils. They're phenomenal as a finishing oil on meals, as salad dressing, and to cook with. It's also a great dating gift and is an essential staple in the kitchen when cooking dinner for a loved one or a heaven-sent partner. But mostly, in this time of hysteria and phobia, it is the best preventative measure and ingredient one can take to stay healthy and feel good. I'm legit obsessed with Nuvo's jalapeno olive oil and their serrano olive oil. Yes, I even like my oils spicy. I put both in everything. I bake my salmon in it, have put it in salads and sautéed veggies with them. They give all my food that perfect little kick. So try Nuvo olive oil. Go to NuvoOliveOil.com and use the promo code KINDADATING15 for 15% off. They offer free shipping on orders $30 or more. Once again, that's NuvoOliveOil.com. That's N-U-V-O OliveOil.com. And use the promo code KINDADATING15 for 15% off. Well, and it doesn't surprise me that you felt lonely because did you know that moving is one of the bigger predictors of you potentially experiencing loneliness? There's something about moving and not just being away from your social circle, but also suddenly being cast in a group of people that it appears like they're having all this connection and belonging and you're not. So now remember we said that perceived sense of not having the connections you want Mm -hmm. Moving is a, a, a great sort of uh, stoker of that loneliness fire, so to speak. Oh, my God, you're 100% right. Like, I think my first years of both the times I moved, like, from Toronto to New York and then New York to L.A. was, I felt, a lot of loneliness. And which leads me to my next question, which is, it made me engage in a bunch of um, irrational behavior. Um, mm -hmm. And definitely on my end led me to... Uh, date two people that were very like not good for me. Um, what kind of mm -hmm. behaviors 
have you found people engage in um, when they are feeling lonely and sort of how can they identify that what they're feeling is loneliness? Yeah. Well, we know that people that are struggling with loneliness have a higher propensity to be struggling with depression and anxiety. We also know that they will oftentimes soothe some of their feelings of loneliness using substances or anything that could be addictive. It may not be substances. There are other things like, like shopping, sex. And porn, like sex and shopping and porn. And that people that are wrestling with loneliness are, are more tend to have more suicidal ideation and are typically more suicidal than somebody that is not experiencing loneliness, okay? They also tend to be more impulsively violent or, or have the propensity to be more impulsively violent than somebody who is not experiencing loneliness. So this sort of came into sort of the foreground for me because I was interested in some of the root causes of gun violence and there are so many. I, this is not at all saying, hey, lonely people, I get lonely too. So I just want to join in and not say this isn't a, a lo loneliness blame game. But um, when we're looking at how to create a society that is safer and healthier, I'm interested in all the inputs for loneliness. And sometimes when you're feeling really lonely, you might act impulsively and even violently. Yeah. Um, some interesting behaviors too, and we can see this playing out in our society. Um, one of the ways that we might behave when we're feeling lonely is, I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever gossiped about somebody else and kind of threw them under the bus because it made you feel closer totally. to the person you were gossiping with? Yep. Right? It's, uh, it's called common it's called common enemy intimacy. So we will create a common enemy and that'll make us feel close, right? Um, so that's one behavior that you can look for. Um also, people that are wrestling with loneliness behaviorally often feel are calling to sit, uh, work sick more often, or they're less engaged employees overall. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, you fill in the gap through sex and dating, you know, trying to find somebody, a person to love you enough or fill that hole inside. So you yeah, may not be making the best dating decisions when you're feeling lonely. And even people in relationships, right? Like you stay in something like people always think, oh, well, if you're in a relationship, you're not going to be lonely because that's what they're thinking is filling the void. And then you end up in a relationship and you feel even lonelier and then you stay because you're scared of feeling lonely. Yeah. It's a weird cycle. Yeah. Well, and then this is where I'll bring my couples therapy training to bear. I do think that there is a propensity to stay longer if we have a, an attachment status that has us feeling afraid of being alone and afraid of being abandoned. So that means we're, we tend to lean on a more what's called an anxious attachment status. It says, I really feel scared when I'm not with a partner, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you were to combine any of those prerequisite circumstantial things that might elicit loneliness, and you couple that with an anxious attachment status, then in terms of your dating life, you, you might be compelled to stay in something longer than your brain actually wants you to, right? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I talk about on this podcast this guy that we call Crazy Guy. <laughs> it, it was a very <laughs> genuinely abusive. We've all had him, Natasha. Right? Let's be honest. <laughs> it was a very abusive relationship um, on all, all all fronts. It was physical, mental, emotional, and um, a lot of people asked me after they were like, "What did you do? How did you stay in that? Like, what happened?" Because I'm so smart and. One, I was very young, but outside of that, it's because I was lonely. And mm -hmm. okay, yes, there was a physical aspect of I couldn't get this giant person out of my house. But on, but I think being forced into a situation I couldn't get out of made me feel so lonely. And I didn't want to tell people what was happening because it felt crazy and stupid. And like, am I an idiot? For how come I can't mm -hmm. get this person out of my house? Like people were like, get a restraining order. And that's not who I was. And so mm -hmm. I ended up staying in this thing that tortured me for a year and put me in therapy for two years after um, just because. And then later I had to finally come to grips with like, well, what caused that? And it mm. was loneliness. It was that mm. I moved and this person told me all the things I wanted to hear that made mm -hmm. me feel safe, but weren't wasn't acting in a way that would make me feel safe, just was saying all the stuff. And just because I yeah. had nobody, 
I was like, okay, well, this is better than nothing. You know, very subconsciously, yeah. not even yeah. on a conscious level. Um, yeah. So, like, how can people figure out that that's what they're feeling mm-hmm. at all? Well, I want to back up a second and not throw loneliness under the bus because let's remember that as as humans, humans are herding animals. We'd like to be around other humans. Our brains kind of come alive. Um, we start to know who we are by interacting with other people. So loneliness is a good cue that we need to normalize a bit and not make it sound like it's something that means that we're sick. It just means, hey, I am needing some more social connection that I am currently having, mm-hmm. right? So when it becomes a problem is either when you can't get that social connection and maybe it's not just because of the circumstances of your life, but how you feel about yourself or how you perceive the world, right? Because I've certainly worked with people that even though they had people in their life that really loved them, they didn't feel worthy of being loved. So even with those kinds of connections that were available to them, their self-worth was so low that they still felt lonely And they wouldn't necessarily get a full meal of connection or sometimes if there's a a psychological wound under there, you're kind of like a bottomless pit sometimes. You need more connection than any possible community could give you because there's an ouch under there that's, that's making that not ever feel satiated, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you tell when it's a problem? I always say, if you have choice and it's flexible, okay? So if I feel lonely and I can go, huh, gosh, I'm feeling really lonely. I'm going to call up my friend or I'm feeling really lonely and I'm in a new town. I'm going to take some action to, to go meet some new people, right? Suddenly I have agency and choice, right? But if I get into a place where I'm like, huh, I'm feeling really lonely and this is just my plight and I'm stuck here, okay? That is now fixed. I'm stuck. And loneliness becomes a problem when we feel like we don't have any agency over it or that we can't do anything about it. And in the case of your your crazy guy, Mm -hmm. right, you may have felt that that was the only solution to your loneliness problem and, and in a way, it did become sticky because you were embarrassed and ashamed. So you kind of stayed with it, with him too, to not out yourself with some of your friends. I mean, there's, there, it's that's always my barometer in general. For I, I love our psychological defenses. They're they're just these wonderful things that are trying to defend us. They're protectors, right? Mm-hmm. But how we can work with them is to, to sort of, I said something the other day to someone, I said, invite them over for dinner and make friends with them, right? Otherwise, they're going to keep banging at the door, right? And then you can have choice because you can, call, you can have a conversation. You can say, hey, loneliness, I want to make friends. And you know what? You're kind of always telling me that I'm a worthless piece of shit and I'm not, you know, and then you can begin to make change. But the minute that we feel like we're stuck and we don't have any any agency, then it's a problem. Does that make sense, Natasha? Yeah, totally. I also love that you sort of said like loneliness shouldn't just be seen as this negative thing where um, it can obviously have some adverse effects, but I think using it as sort of a guidepost of, hey, something is off and what am I really needing right now that's not being filled, I think is a great way of tackling sort of the underlying issue. Like if for me then, of course I found, I figured a lot of it out later, but if I had done that in the beginning of, Oh, Hey, yeah, I'm feeling this thing. And, and just, even though like I've, I'm a pretty social person, so it's not like I didn't have friends at the time, but I needed, I think a sense of safety and this person for me provided a fake sense of safety, mm. which I felt like I needed in this big bag new city by myself. And oh, that um, makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, I think you know. And, and but then, of course, the most unsafe situation for me to have been in um, mm-hmm. with somebody like him. But but I think that that was like a great thing that you said of like using it sort of in a way as an indicator 
um, of like what what is what is the need that you're really needing filled? Yeah, I'm glad you highlight that because I think whenever we make something that we're doing wrong, rather than trying to find out the intelligence in it, then what happens is we we feel ashamed and then we try to do something like you did, which is, well, I'm going to prove that I'm not lonely by dating this really crazy guy, you know, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to prove that I'm not lonely by hanging out with these assholes that I probably shouldn't be hanging out with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was definitely one of my next questions is like, why are people scared to say that they are lonely? I know I have my reasons. You know, I, I think our, our entire sense of self as, you know, I'm a little bit geeky and I like to sort of think about how cultures define self over time. And in the United States in particular, in Western European cultures, we've had an evolution of the self where after the Victorian era, our sense of self was really defined as an empty self. Whereas in the Victorian era, it was this restrained rational self, right? And that empty self then wants to be filled up. And what we've kind of filled it up with are, you know, because we have an absence of things like community and tradition and shared meaning, we've kind of filled it up with being liked. Mm. Okay. And so, and buying stuff, right? So it's, it's, it's interesting. There's a guy by the name of Philip Cushman. He says, you know, there are, there are two people that are there to help soothe people struggling with empty self, which is all of us, marketers and therapists, right? Mm. (laughs) And I thought, wow, that's kind of profound, right? And so I I think that we have to be careful when when we think about our sense of self is entirely wrapped up in how many people like us and start to make this distinction between how many people like us versus how much belonging do we feel? And that's a shift because belonging is sort of based on some of that sense of community and tradition and shared meaning, right? Things that kind of locate us in a community rather than just the superficial air kissing, you know, being liked. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've certainly been liked by people that I didn't like back. (laughs) Have you ever had that? Totally. And I'm like, oh, I, you know, I don't feel belonging with you. I don't care that you like me because I'm not really into you back. I you think know? that's like half of people's dates. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, yeah. So I think that for, for all of us, we can begin to look at how to enrich some of our connections so that it isn't just about being liked, but it's about a deeper sense of belonging. And oftentimes belonging isn't superficial. Belonging comes from sharing sometimes really mundane stuff, you know? Yeah, I remember I became friends with this gal because I used to go on a walk with her um, for our lunch break every Wednesday. And then even though that was mundane, we had this shared tradition and shared meaning. We used to gripe a little bit about our bosses and that, and we're still friends 20 years later, right? Yeah, totally. So I think that I think it's something for us to consider that and for lonely folks to consider, too, that it's not all your fault. Our culture is a little bit set up this way in some in some respects. Yeah. Um, in that uh, like sort of on that note, the way things are set up and so there are more people who perceive themselves to be lonely, whether they are, you know, I don't know, um, like you said, it's a, a slightly a perception. Um why is loneliness and dating such a bad combination? Well, it's it's kind of like what we'd said at the, at the top of the session. Okay, so if I am feeling lonely, what I'm ultimately looking for is connection. Okay, and what we know is if that loneliness goes unchecked, like you're not totally conscious that you're feeling lonely, it's kind of operating in the background, then we might be desperate when we're dating, And you know this, I'm sure you've talked about this a gazillion times, that desperation breeds this lowering of standards or this this ability to sort of not choose wisely who we're dating because we're just, we just want to fill the gap. We just want to fill the hole. And 
so when it, when you said loneliness is a perception, I want to say if you're perceiving yourself as lonely, you are feeling it, mm-hmm. right? But I think that we can begin to work with our perceptions and work with the real the realities of our life because some people are perceiving themselves feeling lonely because they actually don't have anyone. The two go hand in hand and some people just have low self-esteem. So if you're dating and you're feeling lonely, you may go on a second date or a third date with somebody that you normally never would and they may turn out to be crazy guy <laughs> or gal. Yep. You just don't read the signs. You just don't see that, hey, this person isn't reliable or this person is abusive or this person is phony or we don't have anything in common, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, because I think, um, you know, tying it back to this corona thing, uh, I was making this uh, observational joke in a way that all the dating apps are blowing up. And even my guy friends who normally don't get any play on dating apps have been telling me they've been getting a lot more messages and flirtations and matches. Um, And I think partially it's because people are sitting at home in the social distancing thing and feeling lonely. And, you Mm. know, dating apps do tend to be a big escape for a lot of people. I I know before I was even actively on it, I would only go on it for like window shopping where you just want to feel mm-hmm. like you have an option, you know, even though you're never yeah. going to like act on it. Now I'm I'm actually like on it for real. Um but even for me, I've just been noticing this giant uptake in in people messaging and matching. I'm like, "Uh-huh." Um but I'm also like so COVID conscious. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. um, not trying to meet a new stranger right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, what yeah. would you say to, well, you know, those people who are in sort of sitting at home right now in social distancing, kind of practicing that and swiping away? Well, I say swipe away, honestly, and but do it with a little more consciousness because I think the impulse to want to reach out is a healthy one. If you're, if you're feeling like you're not getting enough social connection, I think it's incredibly brave and I think it's healthy to reach out. But I'm hoping that folks listen to this conversation go, okay, and, right? I need to know that there's something else operating behind the scenes that I might be trying to soothe by getting on these dating apps and, and have a little bit more clarity about that so that when you that you can shore yourself up inside to 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 maybe not feel, you know, like I, I kind of sometimes describe it, loneliness as feeling kind of empty inside, right? That you maybe work with that a little bit before you go on the date, right? So that you're not blindsided by by maybe a person that maybe you don't have a lot in common with. But at the at, at the same time, I think that there's another positive about this. It may not just be loneliness that's driving folks onto these social apps. I know a lot of people that are type A that work their buns off and suddenly their workload is slowed down massively. And so I think that they're also, they have, there's more people have the time to reach out. And I'm hoping that that's part of it too, that it's not just that we're using dating apps to soothe away our sense of disconnection. Yeah, because there's, there's definitely a lot of positives, right, to um, to this isolation, I guess, in a way. Um, I've been hearing a lot of people saying they're, they're FaceTiming and talking to their families more. I mean, I've talked to my parents a bunch of times in a day just because they're sitting home bored. <laughs> so they call me now. Um, and my brother and I mean, I talk to them generally every day anyways, but I notice like with my friends, we're all kind of checking in even more because people have, like you said, less to do. Yeah. So that's, I guess, a positive of. Yeah. And you'll never get me to get really extreme on, on this loneliness topic because I do, I do, I'm not somebody that likes to buy into extremes. I, I think loneliness is a problem. Obviously I, I spend a lot of volunteer time running sidewalk talk, but I also have learned a lot about how loneliness is an indication inside that we need to seek out connection. It's part of who we are as human animals. And so it doesn't surprise me that 
you're you're telling me that these apps are blowing up. That makes perfect sense. And I would just advise everyone to just bring a little more consciousness to your dating when you're starting to feel like, oh my God, I'm kind of desperate and see if and then connecting with others from a place of wholeness. I, I think you cut off on that last sentence. So I would advise people to move from, rather than a place of desperation, a place of wholeness. Yeah, that's great because, yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering is what is that balance? Because you're never sort of going to fix this. I don't know, you, you're you the expert. Do we ever fix this feeling? Uh, I think you'll always kind of go through periods of your life and phases of your life where you're going to feel lonely. So you can't not date until you're fully whole because that might, I, I don't know, forever fully whole. But but what is the balance between not getting out? You know, you know what I mean? There's some people who yeah. date out of loneliness and you know that they should not be on the streets. You're like, you are the yep. type of person that should not be here right now. You should be figuring out what's going on really and then then coming back because I think hurt people hurt people. And then those, you know, yeah. that loneliness creates loneliness in others because of a bad relationship or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that you're right. I think it's something that, that, and I love that you're making space for this. Then there's pressure off people to somehow get this loneliness thing right. And there's something wrong. There's nothing wrong with you if you feel lonely. And it's, I think it means there's something right with you, but it can be problematic if, if, it's stuck. Like I'd said before, there are some people that have some early life injuries psychologically that just have them seeing loneliness, even just everywhere they go. Like you'd said, they shouldn't even be on the street and they probably need to get into some therapy um, or some kind of coaching, um, anything that works for them so that they can access a sense of wholeness more of the time than they currently are. But if you're somebody that, that, it feels lonely sometimes and feels whole other times. Great. Just dance with it and embrace it and go, okay, I'm going through this right now and write it out. Right. And start to become in touch with all the things that you know lead to you feeling more whole and full inside where you feel confident and you feel connected to yourself you feel connected. It's really important to keep your outside friendships solid while you're dating because that helps shore up that sense of fullness, right? Yeah, because that happens a lot, right? People get in relationships and they disappear <laughs> yep. into the relationship. Um, yes. What about, um, I mean, what kind of advice would you give to people who 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 have felt lonely for so long and they do long a connection, but they don't know how to connect with somebody because, yeah. you know, some people don't have the same kind of social skills as everybody else. Like we're all just on different wavelengths or, or levels of it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I've definitely worked with folks that I would say had different levels of social skills. And I, I think it's, um, Especially in this present time, what social media can, can do is sort of sell us a story that how we're doing it is wrong. It just means that if you're quirky or socially different or have kind of a, your brain kind of works in a different way, it means that you'll have to seek out a community of hopefully folks that are into some of the same things that you are. I do think that fundamentally, I, I did an interview with the Wall Street Journal and we were talking about this, that it does help to, to join something. And I'll tell you why. Because when we meet the same people over and over and over again, even though it may not be deep, right? If you join a painting group or I once worked with someone that was, you know, started playing guitar and joined these other folks that were learning guitar. And so it's not like they were having, you know, intense, deep conversations. But there's a kind of intimacy that forms and you've kind of got a buffer for anything that might be producing social anxiety or awkwardness. You've got the guitar in your hand. And so it's your, 
it's your prop, it's your party favor, it's, you know, so that it makes it way easier to get to know people because there's no pressure, right? So I really advise people to get involved with something um, and specifically something that potentially you're already interested in so that you're likely to meet people that are already like you, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I get that that can be hard, but it's it's worth making the effort because you're going to probably fail and land in some groups. I remember I was I moved to D.C. at one point in my career and, oh, my God, it was so lonely and it just took forever to meet anyone. And I joined this photography group and, and just the folks in the group were not my cup of tea. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to have to go, you know, figure out another group. And I finally did find a group. There was a group that used to get together every Thursday night. And, um, uh, it was a book club and for, and it was for whatever reason, we just vibed. And that was my core group of friends while I was living there. So I just say, don't give up, pursue some kind of regular group. The gym is a great place. If you can join a, a, um, a class, right. Where it's, and you always go where you see the same, you know what, honestly, joining a sidewalk talk chapter is a great way to make friends because a, you're already going to know that they're going to be nice and inclusive because that's our, that's our jam, Mm -hmm. but they, they get out and listen regularly. And there's something really nice about volunteering alongside someone, um, that gives you a sense of connection because you're not only doing good for the community, but you're bonding over that shared volunteerism too. Yeah. Um, uh, we've talked about in the past people who, you know, you might like biking and you're like, well, this is a solitary activity nowadays. They have bike clubs in different cities um, and different parts of the city. You can go to a soul cycle and kind of go consistently to a class and make friends there. People who do improv um, and kind of what you said on the volunteering front. I made um, one of my best friends, Adam. I met him at through a charity because same with me. I was kind of like in a space where I was like, I, I want to meet new people. And yeah. I felt like I was just surrounded by the same kinds of people. Yeah. And I was like, OK, this is cool. But I also for me sort of. um charity volunteering the old people I know it sounds like weird but like those things are all really important to me um since I've yeah. grown up so I was like well I want to find a charity that I felt comfortable in and one of my friends just happened to invite me to join her team and the first person I met was who's now my best friend Adam um and then all of those people now have become such close friends of mine in different ways uh-huh. where we all help each other in work and in and in life but we're also yeah. very deeply connected for the fact that we ran this campaign for you know the leukemia and lymphoma society um and so I love that yeah it was like a fun way and yeah so for anybody listening out there there, there are lots of different activities people can do um well, and you think about the kind of person that volunteers for any organization. I mean, I just think I just think there are a lot of sweet, good-hearted people that show up to volunteer events. And so if you're looking for those kinds of people, it's probably a good way to build your friend community. You know what I mean? Yeah, and even for dating. And for dating. <laughs> I, I, I tell like clients to do this for a nice all boy. the time. Yeah. Yes. Go find yes. the guy who's giving sandwiches out to the homeless. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I was going to ask, um, what role does sort of self-love play in all of this, uh, as we sort of wrap out this episode? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that there are different ideas about self-love, right? And we sometimes feel like self-love means that, oh my God, am I sort of self-involved and narcissistic and egotistical. And I think coming up with a definition of self-love that is not that, but instead is saying, okay, I really honor myself and who I am. I have a clear sense of my values and what I stand for. And I'm going to live that. I'm going to live those values and I'm going to live my honorability in my life. Okay, so it's self-love isn't going and getting your nails done or going to the gym. That can be part of it, right? If taking care of your body is an act of care for yourself. But I think it's also deeper than that. I think loving yourself is also showing up with your values intact, 
right? And really honoring what you stand for. Oh, I really love remember, that. And remember when we talked about dating that, and I said, you've got to be whole, you've got to show up whole. It's that honoring what you stand for and showing up in your integrity. That is wholeness. That leads to wholeness. Yeah, I love that because I think that's very difficult for all of us in, in um, just standing in who you are and kind of, yeah, especially in the dating world. So that's great. Um, last question. Do you, do you think we kind of need to all learn to be alone at least at some point in our life? Yeah, I think it's both. Right. Um, I think some of us have greater needs for being alone, too. Um, but I are you speaking romantically? Is that what you're ultimately? Yeah, sort I of- think because, you know, one of the things I have thought of a lot is people um, have never been alone and they've had mm-hmm. a lot of people have never really had to face their loneliness and even being alone both at the same time. Um, And because of that, I think we, again, just come back and make decisions that we shouldn't be making. And one thing I sort of try to remind people is you got to learn at some point to be okay being by yourself because there is going to come a time in your life, whether it is now or at your death, that you are actually alone like even if you Mm -hmm. technically die next to somebody the process is your own so you're gonna go through it by yourself and you need to sort of be okay with you um that was like a morbid example but but, i might hold it a little i might hold it a little differently than you um and i'm gonna try not to be too psychobabbly here and get into theory too much but when we are becoming a grown-up Part of the way that we do that is we separate from mom and dad. And, and, and certainly different cultures, you know, I want to say that psychological theory is kind of different depending on cultural context. So probably in American and Western European cultures, we do a lot more separating than some of my friends from other cultures. But Yeah, I'm Indian. We, we, we don't separate shit. Everybody's involved in everything. <laughs> a big ball of weed. When yeah. I left home to a different country by myself my my friends were like how did your parents let you go because it was like an unmarried girl off on her own (laughs) yeah so I'm trying to be very careful about not sort of creating this lens that's kind of monolithic but even for you there was some kind of developmental need to go who the heck am I that perhaps had you needing to leave home right hundred percent and how do we, and, and, and I talk about this a lot because I have a lot of non-American clients too, and we talk about, well, how does one do that in a, maybe from a different culture where the family is more important than the individual self or the group is more important than the individual self? But I always think that as part of the growing up process, we still do wrestle with who is our self, right? And so why we need to be alone or some version of being alone within that cultural context is to start to define that because that's how we begin to create our life, right? That's how we decide to move to a different country or marry that person or not have kids or become a CEO or go to medical school or become a music. I mean, and, and we, if we jump from relationship to relationship to relationship, especially if we've tended to come from a family constellation or system that was a big ball of we, as I like to call it, um, we may not have ever gotten that opportunity to really feel who we are and what we stand for. Yeah. Does that I, make sense? A hundred percent. I mean, that's that was my growing up for sure, because I was always very independent in thought, but our joke in the families were like a herd of elephants where we're all sort of, you know, we rally around the baby. And so I was the baby for a long time. And now thank God I have a nephew because he's the baby. And, um, yeah, but yeah, it was like, it was always, a 
a we thing. You know, my parents do yeah. everything together. They go to the bank together. They go to the grocery store together. They go shopping together. And so everybody was involved in everybody's life. And I was always such a free thinker. And so I just wanted to experience things on my own. And they were always like, no, which made me seem like a rebel. Um, but of course, as I grew up and then finally did move away, uh, you also felt that pang of like, oh, my God, now I'm alone and having to grapple with those feelings, like you said. Of yeah. This thing that I always had to lean on isn't there. But at the same time, who am I in mm -hmm. this space? Um, yeah. So, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I love that. Well, and then the second thing I would say is that for some people, if they go right from their family to starting to date, to dating the next person, to the dating the next person, <laughs> their partner may be a surrogate parent for them. So they're kind of not ever quite finishing the growing up process, right? And so that's the other, you said, well, why is it necessary to be alone? That might be another reason why it's necessary to be alone, because maybe um, we're getting into a series of romantic relationships where we're just you know, getting parented again. We're getting into that, recreating a sense of family because it's too scary to grow up, to adult, you know? Yeah. Uh, girl, you're preaching. You're, you're literally saying exactly what I've done. Like, you know, it took me so long to finally be okay in who I am. And, and I felt like I was always learning about myself through these people, but also mm -hmm. trying to, like Crazy Guy was a great example of, loneliness in a way f trying to fix a relationship because a lot of people asked me they were like again why this person and it took me a lot of therapy to realize oh my god it felt normal because of mm. what I grew up with with my dad of oh, you know, words not not the I didn't get abused but this person of like having this a uh, hot, cold, up, down, constantly chaotic relationship felt normal because that's what my parents' marriage was for a long time. So, you know, where you're you're kind of like, like you said now, I'm like, oh, wait, maybe it felt like home where I wasn't yeah. totally growing up because I was like, oh, this isn't I know this dynamic. I know this feeling good yeah. one day, feeling like shit the next day. Um, and that's totally normal, by the way. The brain just likes what's familiar. Yeah. So, so how do you break that? If, you know, it's being intentional and educating yourself. Whether you, know, I don't want to tell everyone that they need to go to therapy because I hate that kind of crap. I think there are lots of ways to grow. But, you know, one thing that Dan Siegel says, who's a UCLA psychologist, he said, you know, it's really important that everyone has a cohesive story about how they became who they are. And so if I were to say what you could do that's free, you really do need to sort of take an inventory of what are all the things that have made me who I am and write it down, right? Because that'll help you catch yourself when you might be just going for the familiar rather than for the intentional. Mm. Autopilot versus driving that damn car. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, Tracy, thank you so much for being on this episode. You're it's not, super fun. You're not done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we do something called six questions with all of our guests. Um, oh, fun. Right. It's however you perceive the question. Um, okay. And, you know, just take it like a little mini rapid fire. Um, okay. Are you ready for your six questions, Tracy? Ready and nervous, but ready. You got this. Um, all right. What is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? I can only pick one. Oh, no, I know. First thing. I was going to say eyes, but honestly, let's be honest. It's their vibe. Yeah. It's always their vibe. If they're crabby, I notice. And if they're really like, a, like happy, I notice their vibe first. Love it. What is your one deal breaker? Lying. Mm, good one. Easy. What, what turns you on? <sighs> Am I going to say this out loud? Okay, yeah. this is so random, though. I love the four, the veins in men's forearms. Wow, that's <laughs> the most specific thing I've ever heard. I love it. I, used I don't to, know I what just made me shoulders. think of it. It's just so random. Yeah. Oh, like, I will literally get hot and bothered if a guy's sleeve rolls up and he's got, like, strong forearms with veins popping out. And I'm like, oh, God, you've got to turn away. <laughs> 
<laughs> you like athletes, I have a feeling. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> um, what are one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships? Mm, I'm super spontaneous. And I think that that means that I'm, I'm anything. I, I'm fun. Anything goes. I'll try anything. There's no, nothing that I would probably say no to. But it also means that I can be kind of flaky and flighty. You know? Yeah. Um, Tracy, what is love? What is love? Okay, well, I'm going to throw this to someone that I actually, uh, Bell Hooks wrote this book. I don't know if you've heard it all about love. No. I read it years ago, and I, I don't know if I'll get it exactly right, but she had this definition of love. She said, love is a verb, and it's the action of caring for your own and somebody else's spiritual growth. I you know, that. it's really woo-woo. No, I love it. Um, your last question, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Mm, you inspire me. Nice. I love it. Um, yeah. Tracy, thank you so much for being on this episode. You're coming back for one more. So uh, hang tight. But how can people find you on socials and just any websites, anything you have? Well, you can go to my website and get all my social media stuff. It's it's just my name, tracyrubel.com, which is T-R-A-C-I-R-U-B-L-E.com. And then please, if you want to come volunteer with Sidewalk Talk and l practice listening, meet some really cool people at sidewalk-talk.org. I love that. I actually might hit you up for that. Cool. Do. Yeah. Um, so, guys, uh, the link will be in the description so you can um, check it there and follow uh, Tracy on all the social medias. We are also on socials. We are at Kind of Dating Across the Board. I am at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha Chandel official on Facebook. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you could please take a few seconds and review us on iTunes, we'd be so grateful. Also, Send in your stories and thoughts via voice memo to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Our producer is Adam Pineless, and our intern is Karina Uribe. The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yenick and K. Daniel Ellis.